Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Newsflash. We have some very interesting new news about the Ted Cruz situation. You have all been following all day long since literally probably the most unlikable person in American politics, regardless of party probably did the worst thing a politician could ever do, which is when his state is suffering the worst energy crisis in, like, recent memory, in modern times for that state. People with no electricity, people with no access to water, people freezing, uh, people struggling to survive. Ted Cruz and his family decided to do nothing else than jet to Cancun, a nice vacation spot for him as his constituents struggle back home. New reporting by the New York Times reveals their leaked texts on how they plan the trip and another embarrassing blow for one of the most mocked politicians I can think of. Also, we give you more about the details of this water crisis, crack pipes, frozen wells, and offline treatment plants, how water is now becoming the next big thing as opposed to electricity. And finally, trouble in New York on the Democratic side. Andrew Cuomo facing real pushback for the first time for his drastic mishandling of the coronavirus crisis, especially with regards to nursing homes and how the fact he covered it up, asked other people to do it for him, and threatened dis- political destruction to those who didn't serve his will. This is Newsflash. Welcome to the show. We do have to start with this absolutely remarkable story today. Uh, Ted Cruz heading to Cancun as, like, literally, I almost feel bad for them, but I really don't because nothing is really sacred for this family that just seems to be, like, like completely cursed by hell to be humiliated uh, in, every, in every way, shape, or form. And a lot of times they do do it to themselves. We saw them, like, uh, all the way back... T- uh, Ted Cruz's wife getting assaulted, called ugly by Donald Trump, like in person, like completely personally. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Ted Cruz then, of course, loyally defending Donald Trump at the four years of his presidency to save his own political career, um, and now he is off and off to Cancun. Now back, of course, with his t- tail tucked ashamedly between his legs and kind of a very. Um, sad and kind of dejected way at this point like he's he's already taken on the political hip he's gonna take i mean at this point like it you could probably just enjoy the beach like that's what that's what you've done it so why not just do it you know but here he is he's coming back he's back the airport today facing a barrage of cameras and to add insult to injury his personal his wife's personal texts were leaked to the new york times so like when you hear the reporting from the New York Times, like millions of his constituents across Texas, Senator Ted Cruz had a frigid home without electricity uh, this week amid the state's power crisis. But unlike most, Mr. Cruz got out, fleeing Houston and hopping on a Wednesday afternoon flight to Cancun with his family for a respite at a luxury resort. And I mean, honestly, it's still surprising that they had flights going out of there in the first place, but I guess things might have calmed down a little bit. Um, but yeah, they really just got out of there. Like the kids... Um, Heidi, or they were all out of there. Um, photos of Cruz and his wife Heidi boarding the flight ricocheted quickly across social media. And again, like this is just an absolute. Like, first, can we just take a because a, we didn't talk about this back on Tuesday because of course it didn't hadn't happened yet. But I mean, we just have to take a moment and process for a second. 
like the absolute absurdity of what he did here. Like he knew he was going to go to a public airport completely. Like he knew he had to have known he was going to get seen in some way by social media and he would be like completely found out for what he did. But he still did it anyway. Like what does that tell you? It's either extreme stupidity or it's like, I mean, arrogance, incompetence, like uh, just the the self-assured um, proposition that, like, yeah, I can literally get away with anything. Nobody is going to come and hold me accountable or challenge me in any way, shape, or form. Like, that is the only, like, that is the clear indication of what he's thinking here. And, I mean, in large part, he he could probably be right. I mean, who, with his electoral prospects as far as they're concerned, but a completely devastating an absolutely inexplicable political blunder. Because, um, again, he was doing this. He was in a public airport. He wasn't hiding. He was, like, he was showing his face out there to tons of people who know who he is and were like, what is, like, this is crazy. What is Ted Cruz doing on my flight to Mexico while there is um, not only, a, again, a pandemic going on, but his state is going through a not, like, an natural crisis like a natural disaster with the amount of people who are out of power the amount of people who don't have access to water um the blowback only intensified as cruz a republican released a statement that he'd flown to mexico to be a good dad quote-unquote and accompany his daughters and their friends he noted he was flying back to thursday afternoon though he he did not disclose how long he originally intended to stay of course the app uh, the the impl- implication there being no surprise that oh yeah we, we I was just gonna go drop my my uh, daughters off for a play date at Cancun like my daughters wanted to go I, and you're really gonna get mad at my daughters come on <laughs> like what a Ted Cruz move just be like yeah it was my daughters who wanted to do this trip um, but it does appear it probably like based on these texts it appears that at least Heidi was doing it maybe on behalf of the daughters who knows um, but. Yeah, text messages sent from Mrs. Cruz to friends and Houston neighbors on Wednesday revealed a hastily planned trip. So, like, this stuff, again, it was leaked. It was literally leaked. Their house was freezing, as Cruz put it, and she, uh, Mrs. Cruz, and she proposed a getaway until Sunday. Uh, Heidi invited the others to join them at the Ritz-Carlton, where they had stayed, quote, many times, noting the room price this week, which is $309 per night. <laughs> it was like a great little jab in there by the New York Times. Just be like, what is this guy doing? How how stupid can one person be? Um, yeah, so the text me- messages were provided to the New York Times and then confirmed by a second person on the thread who declined to be identified because of the private nature of the text. Like, imagine, like, but, like, put yourself, like, the idea, you're texting a private, like, friend and you're inviting them to cancun and then just like oh yeah it's up in the press like that is tough that is brutal but of course they absolutely deserve it here um so for more than 12 hours after the airport departure photos first emerged cruz's office declined to comment on his whereabouts the houston police confirmed that the center's office had sought their assistance for his airport trip on wednesday and eventually cruz was spotted wheeling his suitcase in mexico on thursday as he returned to the state he represents in the Senate. As the cruises were away, millions of Texans were still without electricity. Many had no running water, and the icy air that swept the state was so severe that FEMA had been activated to send supplies, including generators. Some searched neighborhood for discarded fallen trees to burn for warmth. Like, it was chaos. It was literally, it was nomadic. Like, the level of craziness that was going on there. Like, it was just, 
It's like people are literally being like returned to nomadic hunter gatherer people in Texas. Like, look, imagine looking around your your neighborhood for to like for tree wood, fallen tree wood to burn. Like that just is awful. And meanwhile, here he is in Cancun. It is it is really just a political mistake beyond beyond comprehension um and here he goes he's back in texas he's telling a television crew what happened what's happening in texas is unacceptable and uh yeah here he is in a clip oh we gotta we gotta turn on the audio there just a quick second and have been well texas is going through Yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, but just just out there, just drop it off, my daughter's for a play. It was always going to be heading right back, as of course, as I'm sure you always assumed. Um, yeah, so he he said uh, he he was just rocking that state flag mask, short sleeve polo shirt, tucked into his jeans, and of course. They have to include, I love this in the New York Times, the temperature in Cancun was above 80 degrees Fahrenheit on Thursday, and it was in the 30s in Houston. After landing back in uh, the United States, Cruz offered a new statement with a different tone from earlier in the day, where he tried to explain the vacation without regrets and left the impression that it might have always been a one-day trip for him. Of course, um, speaking to reporters about his arrival home, he conceded the trip was obviously a mistake and... Uh, he said he had begun having second thoughts as soon as he boarded the plane to Mexico, intent on a few days of remote work in the sun. The plan had been to stay, of course, obviously making the confession that he really couldn't hide for very long because it was clearly obvious. He was walking around with a massive suitcase. He wasn't just going to stay for one night. Um, the plan had been to st- uh, stay through the weekend with my family, said framing the decisions as a parent attempt to placate his two daughters, ages 10 and 12, after a tough week. So, yeah, again, something that, like, obviously, all people can do, all people love to do in Texas, just get a night, get on the plane, just head to a $300, uh, $309 a night Cancun resort, just take away the pain, you know? And, again, of course, it was his daughter's fault. Like, no, like, it's just such a Ted Cruz, um... A, like such a Ted Cruz move, you know? Like, you cannot get more quintessentially Ted Cruz if you could have, like, even pictured it. Hey, when it's shut down. Join us this Friday tomorrow at around 9 for another Live Uncultured. We're going to be getting into some grime, some Skepta, some Stormzy. And so much more. It's Uncultured, the best mix show in the game. Always live on Spreaker.com slash TSWS. And always available on demand. Gotta love Skepta, one of the original grime artists there. 
certainly not the original, but definitely one of the pioneers. Grime pioneer. We'll, we'll talk about him. We'll talk about Stormzy. We'll talk about all the culture there and really fascinating uh, area of rap that has a lot of, had a lot of influence on American rap. Uh, but anyway, we now turn our attention to some uh, less fun things to talk about. Uh, and that is, of course, the Texas blackout. Uh, power, according to New York Times here, power began to flicker back on across much of Texas on Thursday. But millions across the state confronted another dire crisis, a shortage of drinkable water as the pipes cracked, wells froze, and water treatment plants were knocked on lo- offline. So a pretty... Um, Devast, like pretty devastating kind of one-two punch of the fact that they just were not ready for the power outages, and so they didn't really have time to uh, prepare the water treatment centers to deal with that. And, of course, the pipes that are all connected with them were really hurt. So uh, not a place where you want to have a, acute problems with this is the hospitals, and that's really where they're having some of the most problems. One in Austin was forced to move some of its most critically ill patients to another building when its faucets ran dry. Another in Houston had to haul in water on trucks in order to flush toilets. It was just an absolute mess. People again really being reduced to a no, uh, to a like nomadic like hunter gathering state. And it's like in the hospitals in some like the biggest cities in the state. It's an absolutely horrific situation here. Um, yeah. So, but for many of the state's residents stuck at home, the emergency meant boiling the tap water that trickled down their faucets, scouring stores for bottled water or boiling icicles and dirty snow on their stoves. For others, it meant no water at all. Denise Gonzalez had joined a crowd of makeshift uh, a crowd at a makeshift relief center in a working-class corner of West Dallas on Thursday where volunteers handed out food from the luggage compartment of a charter bus. Back at her apartment, she said the lights were finally back on, but her pipes were frozen. She could not bathe, shower, or use the toilet. She'd been calling plumbers all day, but one of the few answered her... Um, <laughs> told her it would be $3,000 to come and assess the damage. $3,000! Gonzalez said, if I had $3,000, I wouldn't be getting food from people on the bus. So, like, again, this is just a complete, perfect example of just, like, the disaster capitalism system. Just every, every system that's supposed to come into place to stop these things have just, like, all the supposed, um, points of resistance that anything like this should have, like, the, this situation that should have stopped the situation from happening like each one of them like oh how about we buy winter um how about, first of all how about we stop launching fossil fuels in the air to make the climate or to screw up the climate and to screw up with the polar vortex or how about oh maybe we can buy winter modulators for uh, both the natural gas and oil uh systems and the the wind turbines and all that stuff how about we do that so things can work when it's like 30 degrees how about we actually have a good mobilizing disaster response and not spend the first like few days of the crisis trying to blame it on like aoc and the green new deal like all those things all those possible very good ideas that could be used to help texans out of out of this kind of crisis here have just been completely ignored in a very kind of systematic way. And it's again, people like Denise Gonzalez and probably within the large majority of people in Texas, regardless of any kind of like political class, which we've seen so many people like trying to do so dishonestly, just being like, Oh, well, this is red state losers should have voted for uh, MJ Hagar. Like <laughs> that's what people are. People are trying to tell people like, imagine like seeing a story like someone like with Denise Johnson in West out, like, $3,000 to get the water, just to possibly maybe assess the damage of the water at her house. <laughs> like, 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if the plumber should be like, that's kind of ridiculous for a plumber. Just three thousand dollars. Yeah, I'll come and look at it. Like Jesus Christ. But um, like imagine going up to her and being like, yeah, you should have voted for MJ Hagar in the 2020 U.S. Senate. Like, and Joe Biden, like that would have made your life so much better. And you're a bad person who doesn't deserve your water to work because of that. Like that is, that is the just idiotic trap that just, or not just mistake, like dumb crutch that some of these people have. And it is really insane to see. It just makes no sense. Major disruptions to the Texas power grid. Of more than 4 million households without power this past week. Um, and by Thursday evening, only about 347,000 lacked electricity. Much of the statewide concern now had turned to water woes. More than 800 public water systems serving 162 of the state's 254 counties have been disrupted as of Thursday, affecting 13.1 million people, according to a spokeswoman from the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. Uh, Harris County, which includes Houston, is the nation's fourth largest city. Uh, more than 1 million people have been affected by local water systems that have been e- that have either issued notice notices to boil water so it is safe to drink or that cannot deliver water at all. Because this is, again, this is not just people's individual pipes. It's like the whole water system, the whole water treatment plants have just completely flopped and completely failed. Um, so they are now no, like, they're not even effective. Um, even if the, like, the individual person's pipe is cleaned out, there's a very good chance the water system, uh, the water treatment plants where the water kind of comes from in the first place are not functional. Residents at the Texas capital, Austin, were also told to boil water because of the power failure at the city's largest water treatment facility. The director of Austin Water, Greg Mazaros, said the plummeting temperatures caused water mains to break and pipes to burst, spurring an increase in water usage and allowing water to leak out of the system. He said on Thursday that power had been restored and that restoring water to service to hospitals and other healthcare facilities was a priority. The city's reservoirs, which can hold about 100 million gallons of water, a day's worth of water for Austin, had been emptied because of the leaks or the increased use by residents. Um, we never imagined a day where hospitals wouldn't have water. Like, this is just a. <laughs> Like, society has completely went to, like, no, this is insane. This is insane. Um, it has completely, uh, like, the, the very ability for Texas to have functioning drinking water has completely collapsed. Like, society has crumbled uh, in Texas right now. It is hor- horrifying. Um, like the hospitals are like pipes are bursting all over people's homes and that costs an insane amount of money to fix. It leaks and leaks in all your stuff. It's absolutely awful. I mean, it happened to happened to my family, like relatively recently, there was a pipe that burst in the house. Um, and it like caused a huge amount of problems for us and it was not good. So like that, and that's happening to millions of people and it's going to cost people so much money to fix because like that, like that does not come cheap. And especially if it, for example, bursts over your TV or something or your kitchen, and then you have to go through everything in your kitchen and replace it or on your bed or something like that. And your bed gets destroyed. It's like all the things that could happen from that are really, really just awful and disturbing there. Uh, from Texans, the disruptions were a staggering inconvenience that seemed to, uh, Push them back to the state's frontier past. People hunted for firewood across suburban yards, shivered in dark homes, lived off canned food, and went without electronics. It was, yeah, it's just really, it's just like the the guns are starting to, that they apparently have a lot of in Texas, 
we clearly have a lot of it's, it's Texism. Come on, um, they're they're starting to come more and more uh, into the picture here, very very disturbingly. Um, at St. Uh, David's South Austin Medical Center, officials were trying on Wednesday night to fix a heating system that was failing because of low water pressure. They were forced to seek portable toilets and distribute bottles of water to patients and employees so they could wash their hands. Uh, in San Antonio, Jesse Singh, a Shell gas contra- uh, gas station owner, said his 80-year-old father was turned away from his regularly scheduled dialysis treatment because his clinic was having water access issues. Uh, it's a dangerous situation, he said. And, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty dangerous to me. Like, you can't even get dialysis for your parent because of the fact that um, the water is out. Like, just generally, all, like, city and statewide. Um, yeah, like, that is, a, that is a situation you don't want to be in. And, I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see, like, the kind of political accountability that's going to be available to people after this. Like, what will people do? What will Texas do to respond to the fact that their society like the just for just a mild blast of some snow and some like a granted very cold weather but like you know eight degrees should not shut down your society i'm sorry and it should not render it completely unfunctioning for who knows how long and there's again there's stories out there that said they could have very easily lost power for months on end after that months on end um, if they had not just done a few things, like in terms of like shutting down the power, so the the grid of Texas completely didn't blow up, uh, it could have been a lot worse. So there is that horrifying fact to know as well. I mean, com- uh, compounding the problem was that much of Texas was still experiencing cold weather and snowstorms. There was a part of a havoc-inducing bed of winter that dumped snow and prompted winter storm warnings in parts of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut through Friday night. Um. Corey Brown, an employee of Tyler Water Utilities, which serves the city of Tyler and northeast, the northeast part of Texas, said the temperature was in the 20s on Tuesday, which complicated efforts to restore water service. Brown guessed that half the utilities, uh, 100, um, 110,000 customers were completely without water. They had freezing water lines. We had two water plants. One of them went down. We also had power outages, and we had a hard freeze the last couple of days. So as a result, a lot of the pipes are freezing over, and that's stopping flow from people's houses and causing low pressure. Uh, days of glacial weather have left at least 38 people dead nationwide. The roads impassable, uh, disrupted vaccine distribution, and placated nearly three-quarters of the continental United States in snow. Like, the storm, the storm this year has just been absolutely insane with the dipping of the polar vortex. Like, this last like roughly month or so has been a barrage for people just up and down the United States. And again, some people can handle it. Some people are a lot more used to it up in obviously in the North, but wow. Like like that is something that if you're in Texas, it's going to be very interesting to see the action that people take. Like there will actually be some effort by people to say, Hey, why don't we make sure this never happens again? Or will people just do nothing about it? I mean, honestly, it's such a devastating blow. It's it's hard to imagine they're just going to be like, oh yeah, everything's good here, no reforms needed, no fixes necessary. Uh, but it is it is Texas, and it, it it is American politics. Like, what are we talking about here? Uh, so you never know, you never know. But still, it could be could be pretty bad. If you enjoyed uprising the first season that just concluded recently on the spencer walsh radio network get ready because uprising is coming back under a new name hidden history returns this spring with stories from history's untold chapters 
Trust me, you're going to want to tune in. We'll tell you something you probably didn't know before you started the episode. That's a promise. Hidden history this spring on the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. Very excited about that, but also something we're a little bit less excited about is the governorship here in the state of New York of Andrew Cuomo. The Democratic leaders of the New York State Senate are finally moving to strip Andrew Cuomo of his unilateral emergency powers granted during the pandemic, sending up a remarkable rebuke for the governor uh, from members of his own party. And it's like, it's very rare that you see this happening. Like, Andrew Cuomo, for someone who, like, you may have heard of him as, I mean, if you're kind of just listening to this as someone kind of from outside the state and someone who doesn't really follow, I mean, I don't really personally follow New York politics like that that much, but here, at least in the state, uh, Cuomo obviously really made himself known with these press conferences, especially in among the kind of MSNBC watching kind of more upper class liberal audience where he really connected. He did find a was in was very reassuring to a lot of people, especially in New York, who just really wanted to know. And I think understandably so what was going on during the pandemic, especially in the early days when everyone was freaking out, didn't know if they would catch COVID by looking at someone the wrong way. Like it was a very scary and very uncertain time. And by the looks of that, Cuomo was also doing some some pretty crazy things in terms of uh, putting patients back in nursing homes, leading to just unprecedented, like super high, sky high death totals, um, which of course he covered up completely and underreported the 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 note uh, the totals by fifty percent. But throughout all this time, as he's been appearing this kind of conciliatory figure towards the media, on the other hand, he's been grabbing this kind of uh, universal powers. He's um, really asserted his control over the levers of power here in New York. This is coming from a guy who has a real reputation going back many, many years in his tenure as governor as someone who is a big part of the, like, the, continues the legacy of the New York political machine, very much in, ta- like, very much in control in in Albany with, for many years, the independent, uh, the IDC, the Independent, I believe, Democratic Caucus, which is pretty much a group of Democrats who caucus with Republicans in the state Senate, keeping control uh, away from the Democrats, who clearly, like, they were, they should have con- uh, controlled the Senate, but of course, in 2018, that caucus was destroyed, and they had put in the place people like Mike Gianaris, Ron Kim, um, Jessica, or sorry, is it, yeah, Jessica, or sorry, ah, Julia, Julia Salazar, um, and a bunch of really awesome, Alexa- Alessandra Biaggi, uh, Zohan, Zohan, um, no, sorry, Zoran, um, Mamad, uh, Mamdani, um, was another one of the great people, Yulan New, I'm definitely not saying that right. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people in that kind of... Jabari Brisport as well. He he run the state Senate District 25. Like, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. And like, they, they, these are people who have really been um, very, very influential, very effective in challenging Cuomo all throughout the pandemic. And especially over things like Amazon's, like the big deal that they... they uh, Much more... AOC gets all the credit, but like she really shouldn't because there's a bunch of like good DSA people who have come out and uh, really stopped that deal from making <laughs> Long Island City into kind of an Amazon fiefdom. But anyway, like, those are people who are kind of in a big way giving this pushback to Andrew Cuomo, who he normally doesn't encounter. Like normally he's got, he's, he asserts that kind of control as in a very kind of stereotypical big power, like, hey, backslapping, 
uh, smoke-filled room, getting it done, making the deals kind of politician. Like, he's always been that guy in New York. And now that is getting challenged in a way that really has never happened before. And it's all really been with a kind of unprecedented string of events where we've seen this cover-up after months and months of just base media, disgusting levels of media complicity, um, more no, none more notable than him getting on his brother's show for just softball questions on CNN, being like, how big is your nose, Andrew? I'm the favorite son. I call mom. She told me I'm the favorite son. Like, that's what was happening as he was screwing up the nursing home situation so drastically in New York. But... Like there, it, the Senate here really is finally turning down um, Cuomo's kind of uh, calling him out, standing up to him, rebuking some of this BS here. Um, they really underscore the deepening division between Cuomo and the state lawmakers since the governor admitted to intentionally withholding critical data on virus-related deaths from the legislature and from pretty much everybody. The move comes as it emerged that the FBI and the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of New York had opened an inquiry into the Cuomo administration's handling of nursing homes during the pandemic. It was not known whether the inquiry, which was confirmed by three people with the matter, uh, was focused on Cuomo or any individual, only that it was in its earliest stage. The inquiry is a clear indication of how the climate has shifted dramatically for Cuomo since March, when he emerged as a prominent voice in a health crisis, using his daily briefings and invocations of his family to inform and culmination of viewers who turned to see him as the virus began to spread. Now much of that goodwill, which was pretty much, again, all created by the media to a large extent, and the kind of idea that, oh, here we have Trump, who is just doing all this awful stuff, and he's, he's screwing everything up. But, of course, we have to have the flip side of the coin, the perfect simple narrative for people on CNN and New York Times to talk about was, oh, Cuomo, he's the, per- he's the real president that we need. He's the president that we should really be looking to. But turns out he was, uh, I wouldn't say just as bad, but really quite awful, and almost in a new, almost in a different way, a different brand of awfulness. Like, there's something super special to me about writing a book, writing a book about how well you handled the coronavirus crisis months ago. It's been out for months now, this thing. And still cases have spiked, and all the stuff that he did with the nursing home, that believe it or not, that wasn't acknowledged. Um, his disregard of experts, his uh, mangling of New York City's vaccine rollout, especially early on, and especially by just throwing out what experts said and doing his own, making up his own rules out of nowhere for no apparent reason, and his just dismissal of experts on a Trumpian level, like that is what's going on here. We are seeing just this insane, like addiction to power from him. That finally there is an accountable legislature in New York City, a kind of an independent Democratic legislature that can really hold them accountable, which is quite something here. So. Yeah, so the Senate's action also illustrates a deepening fatigue in the Democratic-controlled state legislature over Cuomo's broad use of powers, which enabled him to control nearly every facet of the state's response to the virus, from ordering widespread shutdowns to managing the distribution of vaccines to feuding with state health officials, which he has done um, pretty pretty frequently. Nine of them have resigned. Nine. Uh, so yeah, the tension was laid bare on Wednesday with Cuomo attacking critics, singling out Assemblyman Ron Kim, a Queens Democrat, who said the governor had threatened him last week, an accusation which, of course, the governor's staff said was a lie, of course. We'll take him at his word there for that, of course, Cuomo. Very, very credible. Uh, but just an absolutely insane, insane story, if you're not aware. Like, this guy, he was called by Cuomo again and, like, repeatedly 
to and pressured with threats of like political destruction. Uh, bring, you, you haven't seen my wrath yet, Ron. I'm going to bring the hammer down on you. Are you a lawyer? No, I didn't think so. I'm going to come after you, Ron. Say that, say that I did nothing wrong. Say that I did nothing wrong. There's some lines you don't cross. Like All these things are real things that he said to this legislature legislator while he was on the phone like with his wife in the room about to bathe his kids and he was called multiple times like there was and he was like the only way i'm going to talk to guomo again is through counsel like that is what's going on here I, i'm fearing political retribution here i'm feeling fearing career damage this guy keeps calling me he keeps threatening me he keeps hanging like he's got a lot of power and like it's cartoonish it's insane but he is someone with a lot of power and who has shown time and time and again he has no problems with using it in whatever way serves him the best. So it is a really remarkable story there. Uh, earlier this week, a group of Assembly Democrats, including including Kim, circulated a letter among colleagues seeking support for the revocation of Cuomo's powers that suggest the administration had broken federal law, an accusation the governor stridently denied on Wednesday. That came after 14 Senate Democrats signed onto a statement saying that it was clear that extended emergency powers granted to the governor were no longer appropriate. Senate leaders now intend to pass a bill that would limit the governor's ability to supersede state laws to combat the pandemic and would establish a 10-person commission made up of members of Assembly and Senate to evaluate any future pandemic-related directives by Cuomo as well as suspension of laws. So that seems like at least some step. I mean, how about take away all the powers would be nice. Uh, the move to shift some of the governor's authority to state lawmakers, many of whom are working remotely from their home districts, has raised concerns among um, some dissenting Democrats about hampering the state's ability to make quick decisions as it continues to battle the coronavirus. Um, but the Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, a Westchester County Democrat, said that her chamber's actions reflected the changing nature of the pandemic. And honestly, whoever those critics are, wherever they may be and however they may be influencing the text of this article, I don't think they could do a worse job, the people in the legislature, uh, than Cuomo has so far. This is definitely a story we'll be following for you. It's the, the levels of complicity and kind of like ass covering here done by the media is also insane. Um, it's a very interesting story here. This kind of war that's breaking out between Cuomo and his legislature. And what will be his future from this? It's going to be very interesting. Uh, yeah, so join us Friday again for Uncultured. We'll be back Sunday uh, for News Flash. So we'll see you then.